And the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It sounds all cool. Kevin did it, but he, he lowered his voice a few octaves and put all this reverb. It sounds like God is talking. It's like awesome. So, okay, y'all ready? <laughs> Say this with me. Say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to hear and apply his word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I am becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. I'm becoming everything the haters say I could never be. So after today, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, slap your people, high five, and say it's time to praise him. Amen, amen, amen. Open up your note sheet and let's get started with the word this morning. Amen. All right, well, we've been in this series since the beginning of the year called Tremendous Fruitfulness. By the way, let me just say this. This is our last Sunday in this sanctuary. Next Sunday, we're pushing the door open, and we are going into our new sanctuary. Praise the Lord. This is the end of a chapter and the beginning of a new one. Just in time, (laughs) right in time for this outreach and right in time for people to come. You see, we're already full. Amen. I'm I'm ready. I'm so excited about this new season. So we've been declaring since the beginning of the year that we would be tremendously fruitful this year. And I declare that we have. It has been a joy to see you guys go through um, the classes and graduate and get, you know, um, grown up spiritually in the word. That's been a blessing to me. It's a blessing, of course, to see more numbers. And from this time last year, we've more than doubled. So that's just wonderful that we have um, increased as much as we have. I'm so excited about that. But God has called us to live fruitful lives and to not just be sort of fruitful, but tremendously fruitful. When you bear much fruit, God is glorified. God is glorified when we bear much fruit. So we want to really live our lives in a way that God is glorified because of the fruit that we bear in our lives. He chose us to bear fruit. He said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and I anointed you. I appointed you. I scheduled you to bear fruit. You didn't just happen to be born when you were born. God decided when he wanted to put you here. And he decided what gifts he would put inside you because of what people would need in the time and the generation that you would be born. Amen. And that you would live in this earth. God placed a deposit on the inside of you in seed form. It's up to you to decide to water that seed, to make the conditions right for it to grow. Because a seed won't grow unless it meets the right conditions. So your life has to meet the right conditions. It's important that you're in the right church. Because there's a lot of people in churches today that are not being challenged. They just come in and just pet you and make you feel so good. Never challenge you even once. You know, I'll pet you, but I'm going to say, hey, what are you doing? Because you know what? You've got to be challenged. You have to be called up to the mark, called up to the level that God wants you to live. So, 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 cause there's stuff in there. And that's the job of a pastor. That's the job of the rest of this church is to get you up on your feet so you can become all that God has called you to be. So those seeds will sprout and grow into full maturity until you're bearing beautiful, luscious fruit. Amen. Amen. So we have to keep going. We have to keep going. 
You have to keep pressing and nobody gets to quit. The Bible says that anybody who's taken hold of the plow and look back is not worthy for the kingdom. Once you take hold, it's like you you got Velcro on there. <laughs> There's no getting your hands off. Amen. We 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 we've started this thing. Now we have to finish it. Amen. He who's begun a good work and you will complete it until the day of Christ. But God works with our cooperation. You have to decide to cooperate with the with the plan of God for your life. That's why it's important that you're in the right church. That's why it's important that you're in a church that would challenge you and teach you how to walk by the word. Amen. Amen. So fruitfulness. We want to live a fruitful life. And this is the third week in this little mini series within this major series of fruitfulness on praise and thanksgiving. And then this week I want to mix in a little bit of worship. Amen. Because we've been talking about this for the last two weeks. And I'm telling you, it has just flipped my life upside down. I feel like a new person on the inside. I feel like the joy of the Lord is really returning. Because how many of you know you can get so busy working for God, you don't have time for God? That's true. You get so busy working for your family, working for your job, working for for whatever it is we're working for, that we don't have time for Him. And that's why we're here. We're here to give Him pleasure. We're created for His pleasure, for His purpose. Amen? So we have to have time for Him. So let's look at praise, worship, and thanksgiving. You know, Praise and worship is not something we do for 30 minutes on Sunday once a week. It's what we do all week long. It's who we are. I love the old song that, um, um, oh, what's his name? Praise is what I do. No, not Kurt, the, um, my, no, y'all telling me all the wrong one. What's his name? We just mentioned his name from Atlanta this morning. William Murphy. Thank you. William Murphy. Praise is what I do. Praise is what I do. I'll, I'll, I'll praise him at all times. Amen. I'll praise him when things are good and I'll praise him when things are bad. When things are not going like I want them to go, I'll praise him anyhow because praise is what I do. It's who we are. We pray, we're, we're created to praise God, to bring him glory and praise. So it's what we do every day. So number one, praise, worship, and thanksgiving releases the manifested presence of God. Praise, worship, and thanksgiving releases the manifested presence of God. Did you see how the presence of God came in this morning? See, I gave y'all a challenge last week to do the three times a day challenge. Three times a day, just slip away and just lift your hand to God and just praise Him. It didn't even have to be a big long time. It didn't even have to be a song or a fancy song. You could just say, I love you, Lord. You could just go in and say, God, I just thank you and praise you for being who you are. Amen. We listed all the names of God last week. It's just wonderful. Just three times a day to just slip aside, you know, and then come in already praise. How many of you did the challenge? And how many of you came in this morning already praised up? Yes, hallelujah. It, it makes a difference. Now, some of us did it this week. What if we all did it next week? Because look, next week we're cutting a ribbon. And we're going into the new sanctuary next week. So would everybody be raised to go in with a dance? Go in with a praise, with a shout? Would everybody just be ready to shout with me? It's been a long time coming. I'm excited about it. Psalm 22.3 says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. He inhabits the praises of his people. He lives in praise. Think about it. The atmosphere of heaven, what's going on at all times? praises his worship the incense from the from the saints of god as we praise on the earth it comes up before god a sweet smelling savor 
So it's, that's the, that's the very atmosphere of heaven. So when we praise and we worship, it brings the atmosphere of heaven where we are. Psalm 100 verse 4, enter into his gates with what? Come on, we gotta get rid of a bad attitude and complaining. That, that negative, uh, habit of complaining all the time. That's just gonna keep us going around the same mountain over and over and over. You just keep repeating the same deal. Your own repeat. Repeat. Keep going back to default. Default. Now you gotta praise your way out of that thing. Amen. Decide I'm gonna praise him instead of complain. Amen. Cause complaining is to the devil what praise is to God. When you start complaining, the devil's like, oh goody. So enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with be thankful to him and bless his name. Message, message translation says enter with the password, which is what? Thank you, God. Jehoshaphat. We talked about Jehoshaphat last week, how they won a battle. They were, they were the, um, the, the, the nation of, of Judah, part of Israel and, and Judah were split into two for a while. But, but Judah, um, with the, the, all their enemies were coming against them. And Jehoshaphat sought the Lord. He asked everybody to fast and pray. And as they were standing before the Lord, said they stood before the Lord. As they stood before the Lord and they began to worship God, that the man of God, the prophet, spoke up and said, you will not need to fight in this battle. He said, position yourselves. What's the position? I surrender. I just lift my hands. I lift up holy hands in the sanctuary. I lift up holy hands right away. He says, position yourselves. You will not need to fight in this battle, for the battle belongs to the Lord. The Bible says they began to praise with voices loud and high. And when they did that, God set ambushments against their enemies, and they all defeated one another. I'm reviewing. So Jehoshaphat, Second Chronicles 20 and verse 17, he says, You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Underline that position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. And then verse 19, it says, They stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel. Now, did they have their answer by then? They had the answer of what to do, but their enemy was still coming. It's something to praise God when you can hear the enemy's footsteps coming towards you anyway. They praised God even though they could hear their enemy coming towards them. That is so powerful. They stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So when you hear the voice of the enemy or you hear the footsteps of the enemy, you need to drown out that noise. Drown it out with a praise. Drown it out with worship. Drown it out with a thanksgiving. So, number two, in his presence is fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. We're still reviewing just a little bit. So in his presence, if, if praise and worship brings his presence on the scene, and that's where fullness of joy is, then that's, that's what I want to be doing, right? I want to be praising him. So in your presence is fullness of, is fullness of, in his presence is fullness of joy, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. So if you've got no joy, you've got no strength. If you need strength, you need some joy. Get some joy and you get your strength back. So Psalm 16, 11, oh, and let me see, Nehemiah 8, 10, it says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Isaiah 12, 3, therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Do you know if the devil gets your joy, he can get your goods? Don't let him have your bucket because joy is your bucket that you dip out of the wells of salvation. If you got no joy, you got nothing to dip with. Because it's with joy. Because with joy, I have joy because of what I know. Because I know that he's a bigger God than my situation. That he's bigger than sickness. That he's bigger than disease. I know that he is bigger than lack. 
then he will supply all my need according because so because of what I know I can have joy in my situation and that joy brings me strength. Hallelujah. All right, so number 3, praise is a vocal expression of love, adoration and appreciation of God. It's a vocal expression. It's not only a vocal expression. It's also a posture. And we'll go over that. But, but really, you ought to make a, a noise with your, with your mouth. You ought to be talking to him. You ought to be singing to him. Psalm 34, 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His shall continually be in my In my mouth, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. So singing it or saying it, it's us loving on God with our voice, with our posture, with our hands raised, stopping everything that we're doing and just saying thank you. Just taking a knee in the kitchen. Just because. God, I don't want anything. I just want to take a knee in the kitchen to just say, you're God over this kitchen. <laughs> you're God over this household. You are God and there is no other. Just take a, take a knee on your break at work. Why? Because you can. Just I don't want anything, God, but I just want to say I love you right now. Amen. When I go out to preach many times um, and I'm in a hotel in a different city somewhere and I'm waiting for them to come and pick me up in those last few minutes, you know, I don't even really say a whole lot. I just bow my knee and say, thank you, Father. Thank you for the anointing. I'm here on assignment for you. I didn't come all this way for them to just look at my outfit. I trust that you'll anoint my mouth, that you'll anoint me today. And the mysteries of the gospel will go forth. People will be blessed for the reason you sent me here. Let it be fulfilled. Just bow your knee on your way to work. Teach your kids to bow their knee on the way to go to school. Just take, just take a knee. Sometimes you don't even have to say anything. Just take a knee. Just bow before God. I'm submitted and surrendered to you. Nothing can happen to me today except what gets past you. Number four, praise incorporates certain postures. Certain postures. Your body language says praise. The first one, your first blank there is yada. Y-A-D-A-H, yada. And yada means to extend your hands. It means also to lift your hands. Everybody just do that. Anybody who's shy and had never lifted their hands in church, you can go like this. It's kind of a way of receiving from God or lifting up to God or like this. It means I surrender, but that's called yada. In the Bible, that's called praise. It's just praise. You know, the Bible says sometimes just give him a wave offering. <laughs> just say, Lord, I'm just giving you a, hey, God, what's up? You, uh, just kidding. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Just give him a wave offering. Just, you know, God's got a sense of humor. We don't have to be all, you know, he's got a sense of humor. He, he's funny. He can be funny and he, he likes us to have a sense of humor. But look, that's such a beautiful picture of, of just worship. Just God wants not just what's on the outside. You can do this and feel nothing in your heart, but it's about doing this and feeling it in your heart or doing this till you feel it in your heart. Or when you feel it in your heart, say, here it is. <laughs> Amen. Just get there somehow. Amen. Might not feel a thing. But Lord, here I am. Here I am. But it's wonderful when you feel it and you do it. Amen. So it's lifting your hands towards him and surrender or just reaching for him. Then the next one is toda. T-O-D-A-H. Which means thank you. Toda was a sacrifice that was given to God when someone had been delivered from great peril like disease or the sword. When someone had been been delivered from something, 
they would come and give God a thanks offering. Wow, how beautiful is that? What has he delivered you from? What did he deliver you from? What have you made it out of? Some people didn't make it out, but you made it out. Give him a toda. Give him a thank you. It's a sacrifice when someone's been delivered, even from great peril. Wow. And then the next one is tequila. Not to be confused with tequila, which means to drink. But this one, tequila, means to sing. Amen. Psalm 81.1, sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise. You might say, well, I can't sing, Pastor Sally. Well, make a joyful noise. Amen. Amen. It's what comes from your heart anyway. And then just do it by yourself. If it bothers other people, say, okay, I'll just do it by myself. Amen. So, (laughs) I don't know what that's all about. All right, Psalm 100, verse 1, shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with what? Joyful songs. Man, I remember one time I was depressed. I'd been in bed for three days. Anybody ever done that? Gone to bed for three days. Three days. No, no, no. Not since I've known you. No, babe. There's been nothing but joy. Nothing but joy, my love. (laughs) But no, I was so depressed. For like three days I stayed in the bed. I literally could not get myself out of the bed because I was so just, just devastated. And uh, I just began to sing just a little song to myself. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm coming up out of here. I'm like, I got to get up. I cannot stay in this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm coming up out of here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm coming up out of here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I just made up that little song. But 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 praise God, I still remember it because it was a turning point. that got me out of depression. You can't be depressed and sing praises to God at the same time. You can't. You get happy as soon as you start to sing. So begin to sing to sing to God. And then the next one is Barak. B-A-R-A-K, Barak, which means to kneel or bow and bless God. To kneel or bow and bless God. Everybody stand up. So it means to kneel or to bow. And would everybody just... Thinking about the reverence of God, just close your eyes for just a moment. And now just bow. Just bowing in his presence. Just bow. Just sort of, you can bow your head. It can be as simple as bowing your head. Or it can be leaning down. Or it can be all the way down. You can get all the way on your knees, on the floor. Anybody who wants to right now, just take a knee. Just take a knee. Just do it just to make the devil mad. But it blesses God to just take a knee. Amen. And then just bow. You just bow forward. That's a worship to God. That's a posture of worship that's called Barak. It says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And then Psalm 96, 9 says, oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. To worship means to bow down humbly, to reverence, the expression of reverence and adoration and exalt and respect and honor and glorify and esteem. Y'all be ready because when we move into the other sanctuary, there's carpet on the altar. You can be chewing on carpet if you want to. 
All up in the altar. Y'all go ahead and be seated again. Because I want us to be a worshiping church. I want us to be a church. This is part of our fruitfulness that we're learning about for this year. I think it's wonderful that God is closing the year out with worship. Closing the year out with praise. Giving him glory for all that he's done and all he's about to do in 2020. I believe 2020 is going to be about the glory of God. I believe 2020 is going to be the year that God is glorified. It's going to be the year of his glory. I just feel that in my spirit. And then I also heard there's going to be plenty in 20. <laughs> plenty in 20. Y'all can start start declaring that. I declare plenty in 20. Plenty of what? Plenty of whatever it is you need. Amen? Plenty in 20. Then number five, praise and worship pleases God. When I incorporate this and make this part of my life, it's part of what I do every day. It pleases God. Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. We're created to give God pleasure. Yes. Amen. John 4.23, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. And worshipers, that word is translated an adorer. An adorer. Those that adore God. So when we worship God, it's in spirit and truth. Look at, at uh, verse 24. It says, God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. In the truth of who he is. In the truth of who you know him to be because of your experiences with him. Because we start out in this thing in a relationship with him. You can start out worshiping from the first day. Because what you know about him is that he came to save you for your sins. That who you used to be no longer exists. That you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You can worship him from the get. Amen. From the very first day, it can be 100 because in my heart, I feel the joy of my salvation. I'm not who I was five minutes ago. My name's been written in the Lamb's book of life. My sins have been taken away so far from me as the east is from the west. Can never catch up with me again. You can worship him from the very beginning. Just thanking him for, for, for making you, making you holy. For, for opening up the door to heaven and inviting you into his family. You can, you can worship him from the very beginning. Amen. So that's spirit and truth worship. I'm worshiping him in the truth of who he is and what I know about him from my relationship in my spirit, in spirit and in truth. So in your heart, in your mind, your heart and your mind are involved. Um, I remember Bishop telling us a story one time that he'd been preaching for a while, but his heart was dry. They've been a, been, a, been saved for a while. But how many of you know we can go through those dry places? We go through dry places. And he said he went into a meeting where there was a revival going on at another church. And he said there was a little boy up in the front that had his arms raised up to God and tears were just streaming down his face. And this little boy was communicating with God and worshiping God at another level. And he said, I looked at this child and said, my God. I'm about to get up and preach, but I want what this little child has. He had something that I didn't have. And he began to, to seek God about that and how to get the joy of the Lord back into his heart. Such a beautiful thing. 
And so Deuteronomy 6.13, it says, Deeply respect God, your God. Serve and worship him exclusively. So deeply respect. Psalm 42.7 says, Deep calls unto deep. And then the next word, next blank is halal. Halal is to clamorously boast and celebrate. And this is what King David did when he brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. He, think about David for just a minute. David is the shepherd boy, the youngest one of his family, who is a shepherd and is out in the fields with the, with the sheep. And while he's out there, he develops this relationship with God. He, he takes his instruments out and he plays his instruments and sings worship to God and sings in front of his audience of sheep and just worships God in the wilderness. He learns how to fight some battles in the wilderness. He, he fought a bear. He fought a lion and, and, and delivered the animal from, from the lion. He, 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 he had some great victories while he was out there, but it was because he knew God. Because he worshiped God, the one who, who penned the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But yet, he was not worthy to be called to the anointing party. When Samuel was sent to find one of the sons of Jesse to anoint him to be king because Saul had disqualified himself and Saul could no longer be king. So he called for Samuel. Samuel called for all the sons of Jesse to be brought before him. He said, is this all of them? Because it's not any of y'all. They said, well, there's one more, just a young one. He's out with the sheep. He's, and he's like, well, we won't sit down to eat till you bring him. They brought him. And here's David, the shepherd boy that was so disrespected that he wasn't even invited to the anointing. But they didn't even send for him to tell him Samuel's coming, which was a big deal. So David comes in. He said, this is him. And he poured the oil over David's head and anointed him king of Israel. In front of all of his brothers. But then David goes back to the sheep. And then we know that Goliath comes on the scene. And don't be too worried about your giants. Because sometimes a giant will present himself. Right when it's time for you to step out. So this giant presented himself. And David goes to just take some food to his brothers. And he's like what's going on here. They're like what are you doing here. I know you're hard. I know how you are. You know how you always trying to see what's going on. You better get where the sheep at. They give David a hard time. And he's like, wait a minute, what have I done now? Is there, is there not a cause? Look at this giant defying armies of the, who does he think he is? This uncircumcised Philistine think he is. So he goes out and he defeats the giant. So he's been anointed king, but Saul is still king and acting as king. And so for 20 years, David is chased around the wilderness by Saul. Saul was bipolar. One day he loved him and the next day he hated him. David, my son, come here. I'm so sorry. And then the next day he's got a spear. He's ready to pit him against the wall. So he learned how to dodge and duck and dive because he would never bring a hand against God's anointed. And so Saul and his son Jonathan are killed in a battle. Actually, uh, uh, Saul fell on his own sword. And the very person that came and brought David the news that Saul was dead, he brought him his helmet and said, he's dead. David killed him just for bringing him the bad news because he so revered someone who had been anointed. So now 
his, his son David, who was David's best friend, is killed too. So now David says, I'm going to get the, the Ark of the Covenant, which had been captured, and the, the Ark of the Covenant was not in, in Jerusalem anymore. So David goes and, and captures the Ark of the Covenant. He goes to bring it into to Jerusalem. He gets a brand new cart, has a brand new cart made, because David evidently didn't get that memo that says that the priests are supposed to carry the Ark on their shoulders. And so he makes a brand new cart, which seems like a wonderful thing, but it's the wrong thing to do. And this guy, Uzzah, the ox stumbled and the cart tipped, and Uzzah puts his hand up to steady God, to steady the Ark of the Covenant. And Uzzah died, said the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah because he reached out to help God. And so uh, David was upset. God, why? You just killed my friend. What in the world is going on here? So they put the, the ark in Obed-Edom's house. And David went back and said, I don't, I don't know what to do about this. And then word comes to David that for three months the ark has been in Obed-Edom's house and that God has blessed Obed-Edom's house because the presence of God has been there for three months. So David got excited. And he went and he brought some priests and had them dressed in their priestly garments. And he went and got him and he got the, the Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence of God, and, and brought it out and brought it to the very gates of Jerusalem. And then David danced and halaled before the Lord. Can we play that video now? Oh, is it going to be on this one or the middle one? It's going to be on the side one? Okay. Okay. It won't play on the middle one? That's okay. It just needs to turn the volume up. Where's the volume? I don't hear it. It's there. It's just not up. This is what you call a halal. He's the king of Israel. <laughs> That's the tabernacle. They're taking it into the Holy of Holies. Praise the Lord. That's a halal right there, isn't it? David was getting down in his tidy whities right? <laughs> and he wasn't ashamed or afraid. He was the king of Israel. Now, you saw his wife looking like... She was... McCall, she was not happy. She was not happy about uh, at all about David dancing in his underwear out in front of everyone. But um, it says in 2 Samuel 6, 12, So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom. But think of all he's been through, y'all. Think of all he's been through. And now he's finally on the throne. And now he's finally able to bring the power and presence of God back to, back to, the, um, the, to Jerusalem. So he brought it up from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David <clears throat> with gladness. Halal is full of gladness. Second Samuel 6, 14-15. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod, tidy whities So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And so Michal, his wife, said, oh, well, that's just great. All the girls in Israel have now seen you in your underwear. This is just wonderful. I mean, she was, she was jealous and upset. But look at what David said, 2 Samuel 6, 21 through 22. I will play music before the Lord. I'll be even more undignified than this. And I'll be humble in my own sight. Message Bible says, oh, yes, I'll dance to God's glory more recklessly even than this. And as far as I'm concerned, I'll gladly look like a fool. 
See, I think sometimes we're just too concerned about looking too dignified. You ought to come to church next week saying, I'm just ready to be undignified in this place. Lay down all of my pompousness or whatever, whoever I think I am, and just be like David. He was the king of Israel. Ain't none of us a king. Well, we're kings and priests in the kingdom of God. But if we just come in and just be ready to just throw down. Amen. I want to see some dancers next week. Dance it into the sanctuary. We're going to play music on it. We're not going in quiet. We're going in making noise. It's going to be a halal up in here next week. Amen. What'd you say? No underwear. Yes, sir. On this side, no, no, no one. Well, un- please wear your underwear, but just don't. Yes. Okay. All right. We've gone way off. All right. Number six. Praise and worship breaks yokes of bondage. What has you in bondage? What's keeping you out of the promise? Let praise be your protest. Isaiah 10, 27 says, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. And that's where we come to the word Shabbat. Y'all say Shabbat. Shabbat. That means loud adoration. It means shout unto the Lord. Woo! This is what the children of Israel did when the walls of Jericho fell flat. They shouted unto the Lord. Joshua 6.20 And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So with a great shout, it fell down flat. So what's keeping you out of the promised land? You need to let out a Shabbat to God. It's, it's not to the wall, but they shouted to God and the walls fell down flat. So what do you need to Shabbat God about? What has you in bondage? What is holding you down? What is keeping you from moving forward? What's keeping you out of the blessings of God? What's holding you back from the promise? What's holding you from going in behind the walls and the, and the gates? God's given you the land. He's given you the promises. What's holding you back? You need to shout unto God with the voice of triumph and watch those walls fall flat. Amen. But it means you got to do your part. you got to keep going. Amen. Isaiah 10, 27, um, in the good, good God's Word translation, I like this. It says, the yoke will be torn away because you've grown fat. Amen. I like that. Not like you've grown too fat like we ate too much on Thanksgiving last week, <laughs> on Thursday. Not like that kind of fat, but you've grown too big in your spirit to wear this yoke anymore. You've grown fat in the spirit. You're too big. You've cast that thing off because it won't fit around your neck anymore. Amen. A mouth that's full of praise is too fat to hold a yoke that, that, that holds you back from the things of God. Ooh, that's a good word right there. So grow fat in the spirit. Not F-A-T, but P-H-A-T. How about that? Yeah. Number seven, praise strengthens my spirit. I get stronger when I praise God. God gets bigger than my situation. God gets bigger than my enemy. Think about Leah. You say, who's Leah? Leah was the sister of Rachel, who who her father tricked into marrying Jacob because Jacob thought he was literally standing at the altar with Rachel, but he was really standing there with Leah, her sister, the one that had kind eyes. Anyway, she she had uh, a veil over her so that you couldn't see her. They say for modesty, they kept that on even all night during the wedding night. Well, it wasn't Rachel, it was Leah. So Leah was in a bad situation too because she just married a man that didn't love her. He, he loved her sister, but he, she found herself married to him too because her father tricked him. And so here's Leah married to, married to, um, to Joseph and she knew she wasn't loved. And because she knew she wasn't loved, she started having babies. 
to make up for it. And you could tell that's what was going on in her mind by what she was naming these children. The first one was named Reuben, meaning now my husband will see me. So she thought by having babies, she could make somebody love her. Then the second one, she named Simeon, which means now my husband will hear me. Then she named the third one Levi. Now my husband will become attached to me. Be hard every day to see him attached to someone else and not you. And you love him, but he doesn't love you. You're just a baby-making machine. So she was, she was despondent. But something switched in Leah between Levi and the next one. Between Levi and the next one, she got a revelation. If this boy don't never love me, I'm going to praise God. She named the next one Judah, which means I'll just praise the Lord. So she got a revelation and she got, she broke free from that bondage. Amen. So praise releases you from emotional bondage. She got free when she worshiped. Second Corinthians 10, 4, 5. The four through five says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strong hairs, strong, strong hairs, <laughs> strongholds for pulling down strongholds. So uh, praise is a weapon of warfare. Worship is a weapon of warfare, it brings God on the scenes. So then verse five says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. So you, you bring those thoughts into captivity when we choose to worship God rather than focus on those things the enemies bring into your mind. Amen. It's warfare. Philippians 4, 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice means to be cheerful. To be full of joy, to be glad. Deuteronomy 12, 12 says, celebrate there in the presence of the Lord your God. Celebrate. It should be a celebration that we have every day in the presence of God. Then 2 Timothy eleven twelve it says, for I know in whom I have believed. When you go before his presence, you got to have a mind renewal before you get there. You ought to look in the word and find all the places where God has done things that are amazing, things that would be impossible for anyone else. I know in whom I have believed. Think about all the things that he's done in his word because he's a mender and he's a fixer. Whatever you're going through, God can fix it. Amen. Can you say that? He's a fixer. God's a fixer. He fixed blind Bartimaeus of blindness. He couldn't see, but God fixed him. It was an impossible situation, but God fixed it. The paraplegic that the four friends brought in, they tore off the roof and lowered him down in front of Jesus. Jesus says, take up your bed and walk. He fixed a paraplegic, a person who could not move anywhere. He fixed it. Amen. The man by the pool of Bethesda, he rolls up on the man, all the sick people who would stand around the pool of Bethesda at a certain time of the day, an angel would come and step down and stir the water. And when that happened, the first one to get in the water would get healed. Well, there's this man who's been there for like 30 years, 30 years. You could have held onto the edge for, you know, Sometimes you could, you could have rolled a little bit every day for 30 years and you would have been in the water at some point. So Jesus rolled up on him and he says, do you want to get healed? He said, yeah, but every time I, 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 the angel comes and stirs the water, somebody else gets in before me. I don't have anybody to put me in there. It had become part of his identity and he really didn't want to get healed. He said, look, I'm here right now. If you want to be healed, I can heal you. And Jesus told him to get up and the man got healed. So do you really want to get healed? Even somebody who didn't really even want to get healed, Jesus fixed him. 
He fixed him. The woman at the well, she was thirsty for water, but she had a thirst in her soul. Jesus fixed it. She left with a river in her soul. The woman with the issue of blood. Come on, he's the God who can fix your issues. <laughs> Whatever your issue is, God can fix it. He can, The demoniac, he had mental illness. He was cutting himself. He was suicidal. How do you know he was suicidal? When when Jesus cast the, the, the devil out of the pigs, they went, out of the pigs, out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the pigs went over the cliff. Amen. The pigs killed themselves. Suicidal spirits. This man was dealing with all kinds of stuff. But when Jesus got through fixing him, he went and preached to ten cities. Hallelujah. Jesus can fix it. Mary of Bethany. She had an inner healing. She was the one who was a woman in the city who was a sinner. We all know what that means. But she brought her alabaster box of ointment and poured it over Jesus' feet because she was so grateful for what the healing that she had received on the inside of her that made her change her profession. Hallelujah. Jesus fixed her. And then Lazarus, not even death, could beat him. He fixed Lazarus being dead. He conquered death and he conquered the grave that day. Lazarus came out of the grave and Jesus came out of the grave. Hannah was barren. Jesus fixed her barren womb. God fixed her barren womb and she bore uh, Samuel, the, the prophet, who was the one who came and anointed uh, David. Sarah and Abraham, they were old. <laughs> you might say, I'm just too old. God can't fix this. this you know, I, I'm just old. I'm too, I'm just too old for anything, anything better to happen. Anybody ever feel like that? Not even your old age can stop God from blessing you. And God says to you today, you can't get too old for me to bless. Jairus' daughter, he got her up. Luke 137, for with God, nothing will be impossible. So you gotta say, I know in whom I have believed. Amen? And declare, God, if you did it for them, you've gotta do it for me. Amen? Hallelujah. Now I want us to give God a Shabbat. I want you to think about whatever needs to be broken down in your life, whatever barriers there are, wherever it is that you need breakthrough, wherever there's walls, wherever there's giants, wherever there's things that you're facing in your life, I want you to begin to Shabbat God. And that means to just shout unto God with the voice of triumph. So I'm going to give you a three, two, one count. And when I get to one, I want you to be up on your feet and I want you to shout like you lost your mind. Shout like you know when you shout, the walls are going to fall down flat and you're going to go in and take the spoils amen so here we go three two one come on and shabbat god come on hallelujah 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 glory hallelujah yeah come on shout to god shout to god Hallelujah!